Congratulations, you've found us once again. This is the Untitled Film Project podcast, where we talk about movies, and we love movies, even if we love to hate them. We've got uh, Jeremy K. Gover, we've got Justin Bradford, <laughs> and myself, Jim Chandler, and today we're talking about Avatar, The Way of Water. Look, I got nothing. I got no plan, but I can protect this family wherever we go. This family is our fortress. Thirteen years. After the groundbreaking Avatar 2009 comes The Way of Water. James Cameron works on his own time frame. Jake became fully Navi in the first film, and now he and Natiri have a family and are living harmoniously on Pandora. Until the ever-greedy Earth contingent comes back looking to loot a new part of Pandora. And it's also the return of the vengeful Marine, Colonel Quaritch. He just can't let this go. He seems to have carte blanche to use any means necessary to get the head of his former Marine nemesis, Jake Sully, who turned on him. And in turn, endanger Jake's new family. I would like to go around and get initial takes in a different way this week because we have special circumstances. The first movie came out in 2009. For everybody, I would like your take a quick one on Avatar the original, uh, then your anticipation or lack thereof of the sequel, and a quick take on the latest Way of Water in theaters now. Let's start with Jeremy K. Gover. So the original I saw in the theater in 2009. I only saw it once in the theater, and it was an incredible spectacle. Did you see it in 3D? I believe I did, yes. Okay. I believe I did. Making a base point here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe I did. I'm I'm not sure I'd said that about a movie before. Use that adjective spectacle before. Yeah. I, I'm I'm sure Star Wars in nineteen seventy seven made people feel that way. And of course in Wizard of Oz in nineteen thirty nine, I'm sure they felt that way as well. It was truly something special. It was a spectacle. Yep. Uh but I'm forty five. I ha- I hadn't witnessed a, a paradigm shift in filmmaking before where you're sitting in the theater and being like, This is going to change things. Right. I'd never felt that before and I did in two thousand nine. And I want to say as an aside Props to Screen Crush, because I was unable to watch the full first movie before I went and saw this film, and they just happened to release, like I'm talking about within hours of our viewing, they had released a, hey, don't have time for the, for the old Avatar? Here's, here it is in 13 minutes. We'll and catch I was, you up. And I, yeah, and I was able to watch the little Reader's Digest version. Who remembers what that was, kids? Reader's Digest. Uh, Reader's I'm Digest version of Avatar 1, and it was, it was everything I needed. To, to okay, I Catch recalibrated myself. I remember they plug into the trees. I remember, you know, the tree of life. I remember the, like all that kind of okay. Now I get it. I remember now. My expectations going into two was I just wanted James Cameron to sign off on the True Lies Blu ray. That's all I wanted. I don't care about this movie. <laughs> it's I just on that want for a while. I this just want a, him a mission to say, hey, this HD transfer is great. Put it out. That's all I care about. <laughs> the I was apprehensive to answer your question, Jimmy. Uh, I saw the initial trailer. <laughs> hundreds of times and i remember thinking what is this even about there are five words spoken in the whole trailer and it's this family is our fortress right okay what does that mean none of the visuals tell me anything it's a soaring score pretty much the whole thing and the visuals are visuals right i mean there's not you know so i guess at the end of the day I, i i came in expecting to be underwhelmed because how can one person meaning james cameron how can one person in one film series deliver two paradigm shifts in one lifetime yeah especially this close together so i came in expecting to be underwhelmed and your initial take on way of water 
It was a, it was stunning. It was visually stunning. Excellent. And I'm going to leave it at that because there's way too much more to dive into. All right. No pun intended. Justin Bradford, <laughs> uh, what was your original experience with Avatar? So the original Avatar, I f- believe I saw it three times in theaters, uh, all in 3D. Wow. And because I went with different people, so I wanted to experience it again because it was at that moment where I felt like we over said, this is something that's going to change mm-hmm. cinema in terms of the time and money and just skill that it takes to CGI this whole world to put this world together to make it visually stunning for lack of another better phrase with that and that's why i wanted to see it because this is the first time we were getting depth of field with 3d and not just having things fly at your face for the spectacle of it but actually feeling like you're being immersed into a world that's the change that happened and because a shot for that as well and for its brief time there were some films that came out in 3d that took on that technology and were filmed for it. And then Hollywood got away from it again. And they basically just 3D'd movies after they filmed, like Marvel movies, right? Sure. They just 3D'd them afterwards, which I think is what gives people more headaches than anything else when it's not shot for 3D because they're going in and re-editing the film that's already been shot to make it 3D and then things feel like they're flying at you, which messes with people's minds. Avatar, I don't feel, does that because it's immersing you into it just feel like it's all around you and it doesn't play tricks on your mind with the way it interprets it that's what was so stunning about the first one the story eh. <laughs> the first yeah. one the story was meh but it didn't have to be good then because you were changing something with cinema visually that's what the first one did for so many people that's why it broke so many records because people had to just witness it again they didn't care about the story they just wanted to view something that was amazing to see for the first time ever it was experiential it was which experiential is, which is why i wasn't in love with it Yes, because right. yeah. it's a cheap way out. Yeah, it's like, hey, look at this glossy car that's been newly painted, <laughs> and it's yeah. beautiful. You never see anything like it. Check all that out, and then you look inside, and it's roached. Sure, it's not that bad, but I, <laughs> but I mean, that's, right? You know, or it so, drives like a tank. Yeah, and yeah, Avatar, yeah, yeah. Avatar is not one of those ones where I've gone back and watched multiple times. Every once in, a while, I think I've watched it on its own maybe twice since two thousand nine. Sure, for me. That says a lot because I'm a person that re-watches movies. Yeah, so do I. If I enjoy them, I will re-watch them. And it's also not necessarily been put on TV much. It hasn't been syndicated to re- be pushed like Harry Potter or Marvel. Not they're t- just going to be out Not until Disney Plus be- became right. a streaming service. Exactly. So after having that experience and remembering that and also what to expect for the next one, I was similar to Gover, a little apprehensive, wondering they better do something to blow me away. Because I did not know what to expect. Now, we saw initial critics tweets and things come out, initial social reactions about how just visually, again, it was it was phenomenal. And you see the runtime of three hours, 10 minutes. You're going, oh, dear God, Ooh. what is going to happen here? So right. I was a little apprehensive, gone in with negative feelings. I will fully admit to that, that I didn't know what to expect. Um, I wanted to enjoy myself for three hours, 10 minutes. You hope you're going to enjoy yourself <laughs> during that yeah. time period. But now seeing the film... And thankfully, I, I love when we have abilities to screen things because they give it to us, I believe, in ways that we are supposed to experience it in the best way possible, yes. which was in 3D and in IMAX, is how Gover and I both saw it at the screening for it. That's the way you have to see this film. If you're able, like if you're able to get to an IMAX and 3D, that's the way it is intended to be seen. And I know it's difficult for a lot of the general public to get to that, but if you're able to view it in that manner, it is again another work of art it is a visual masterpiece because 
what we saw in the first one with the forest scenes, especially at night, to come alive to the point where they built a full attraction for it at Disney World at Animal Kingdom. The same thing happens to me in this one with underwater and what they're able to do to bring that to life, to immerse you in an underwater landscape. Yeah, it took 13 years to get there and it took a long time to build this, but I can appreciate the time they took to make this visually stunning as well because that's exactly what they do is they immerse you into this life. The story was better. The first one, I'm not saying it was phenomenal, but it, but it was better because there was more plot, there was more development of characters, and they're damn well better be for three hours, ten minutes, development sure. of characters. So overall, this to me was a better film than the first Avatar, as it should have been given the amount of time they had to put it together, <laughs> to create it, to shoot it, to edit it, to everything it. It should have been a better film, and thankfully, to me, it was. You know, I went to go see it. This is Jim. I saw it in 3D the first time it came out in 2009. I brought family with it. We had people from out of town with us. We went as a giant group. I think everybody was really skeptical. I think people had heard how much money went into it. and But I knew that this movie was going to be groundbreaking, and it certainly was. I mean, it really did change the experience of going to see movies in a way that I think, Jeremy, you were saying too, like, you know, People saw The Wizard of Oz. You know, it totally changed. And you're going, wow, this is going to be changing movies for a long time. I thought it was visually spectacular the first time around. I really thought the story was dumb, especially the Marines and the and the battle. And just, uh, I, I, you know, James Cameron makes a kind of a heavy movie. Not, there's not a lot of joking or banter, you know. And I came out of it saying, wow, that was just absolutely amazing. And did not watch it since. I just felt like if I was going to watch it, I had to see it in 3D because it was a visually stunning movie and that's what its value was. So as a, as a film, as a story, I didn't think it was all that great. So when I heard that they were coming out with this new one 13 years later, I thought, hmm, okay, the story stunk. The visuals were spectacular. <laughs> so... I don't know if I really even want to see this because I don't. I didn't think that they would be able to progress visually, you know, with the technology that it would make up for everything else. Going into this movie, I I had also heard it was very stunning, but I didn't have any idea how much. I was blown away, perhaps more with the progression of technology in this movie than I was with the first one. I felt like I was there. I could reach out and touch these people. I thought the technology had gotten to the point where you could see the acting better from the, the people participating in the movie than you could in the first one. I was just stunned, blown away. Uh, I had seen uh, a quick interview with James Cameron, who said that the running time was a result of the fact that uh, he had to develop characters better. And I thought, hmm, thank you. Yeah, you you do. What a novel idea. Yeah, and he brought in a couple of other people to help write the screenplay, and uh, and I think it showed. This movie, I think, had had a much better, fully developed plot and uh, relationships and getting to know a lot more characters because there's mo- they introduce a lot of characters in this movie. And I came out thinking, wow, that was the best, I don't know, $20 I spent for three hours and 10 minutes in a long, long time. I was blown away. 
Avatar The Way of Water shifts from above land to below the sea. So let's go deeper into the movie. And Well uh, done. Let's uh, Thank you. Wah, Is it really, wah. though? I don't know. <laughs> uh, and uh, let's talk a little bit about, uh, in depth, this movie, Way of Water. Start with Justin Bradford. The big thing for me that I actually enjoyed was we're seeing more of the Na'vi. And we're seeing that develop, that it was not just the people that live in certain clans within the forest, but we got to see a whole different thing. And that's, we got the explanation of the way of water. And it was one of those things when in the movie, and they actually say the way of water, in my mind, I did the Leo DiCaprio point (laughs) meme. That one is like, ha ha, they said the name of the movie yes, <laughs> right there. Uh, but but I appreciated that building of the world. Like it was world building. That's what we sure we see more of and I wanted more of. And we got that as well, especially character building. Plus, I mean, we got Kate Winslet. And that's did not expect that. Did not, I, I wasn't expecting that. And I, I didn't that. know it until after I saw the credits. That's right. Yeah. And and so I know I'm kind of jumping all over the place here, too. But in terms of characters, um, what I wanted more of and since there's what at least three more planned yep. <laughs> right now yes. i wanted more of kiri i really liked how they were exploring that connection because when they were trying to get the original character the doctor's character to be her avatar and it stopped in the process that this was like one of those jesus births <laughs> it's what yeah, it was immaculate, yeah, immaculate let's, conception let's go into the immaculate conception, immaculate conception. savior's uh, yeah. theory right and your now. connection to Ewa, and her realizing that I, I wanted more, even though we got more of that as it progressed, especially sure in the third act. More. We'll definitely get you more. You just need to be patient. Another 13 years patient. But <laughs> but I appreciated that because they're exploring something different and how this world is different from Earth yes. as well, too, and the connection that the people truly feel to the to the planet, to the animals, to the water, to all life on this planet, and how she signifies that connection with the way she's able to not control but to utilize the spirit of the of the planet to channel the the deity. Yes, of, to channel of, it yeah. for 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 good. And the way they use Sigourney Weaver and be able to c- get her back into the movie, but it be an immaculate conception, I thought was incredible. And they young up the voice. You can tell a little bit too. I I was impressed the way they did that. And and credit to Sigourney Weaver too that she pulled off a young child. I really enjoyed it, and I just loved the exploration, especially that Kiri found underwater in the big fight scenes on how to help her family, how she became an asset to her family when a lot of the time she was kind of lost, not knowing how to utilize her gift, her special gifts, in a way to positively influence the outcome of what was going to happen with her family. We saw that so much with being able to save both her mom and her dad, and so I really love the character of that one of Kiri. You know, I'm a big fan of Sigourney Weaver. Uh, I think she lends credibility uh, to everything James Cameron does. I loved uh, Kiri. I, th- I thought it was a it was a fresh take in comparison to because this movie is about family. Mm-hmm. It it's spends, their fortress, Jim. It's the fortress. It's their fortress. <laughs> um, and you know, almost to a fault, uh, I I would say uh, the movie probably spent a little too much time chastising their children. But uh, Kiri was a was a great addition to the family, even though she was, you know, it's kind of a blended family. It's an adopted family. Mm-hmm. I thought uh, that what she brought to the table was refreshing compared to what we got from the rest of the kids. She's without a doubt, I think, the thread that is going to be continued through the rest of these films. So I want to pose the question now of having the villain return 
Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, because I so, have I have guns at the ready. So <laughs> I so kind of banking off this, how we have Sigourney Weaver back in terms of Immaculate Conception, which I'm okay with because there was a reason explained. Yeah. In the first movie, we got to that point to where they could have her character continue on in some form or fashion to have her voice continue on because of that tra- the transmission that was about to happen and it failed. It was plausible. That was very plausible. And with the way the AOL works, everything like that, fine. But to have Quaritch back, who we saw die, then all of a sudden oh. they're able to like upload his memory. Not just him, but his other soldiers too. Uh-huh. Like, we're doing this as a backup, so if you see this, it means I died. Uh, that would be the that would be probably my biggest frustration with this is just bring it back and they're just redoing so much with the villain. So I, I, get your I thought he was the worst one dimensional character in the original. To then see him come back, I was so <laughs> disappointed, so disappointed. I just think this is the most poorly drawn character. He is the Captain Ahab coming after his white whale in Jake Sully. And I cannot believe that, like, a dying Earth would spend so much money to, to send everybody back to Pandora, where it worked out so badly, and say, you know what, all the other things we've got going on, we do, oh yeah, we want to we loot this planet for more even incredible stuff than a, unobtainium, but you know what, we're also going to send this guy who's really vengeful. And we're going to give him carte blanche, a blank check, to do whatever he can to destroy this one guy out of spite. I, I just didn't believe it. I didn't either. It was stupid. So we, we did the villain thing. One thing that we, we talk about the unobtainium, but now they find this whole new thing, which is the brain juice of the Tolkun. Which are basically whales. Basically whales. And yeah. One of the issues I had with the scene when they're when they're hunting the Tolkun and they're hunting the mom and and the baby yeah. is that that's the part where it dragged the most for me in this film of all places because I felt like it went too long and they're really trying to push home the point of the immense villainy of what they're doing and yes. also to send a message and I get that you have to show them as villains and what they're doing and how they're trying to take over and and just kill for the sake of this one little thing and not use any other part of the body as well but it dragged for me and it was it was to the point that they started making me like okay let's get to the next one i understand this is really bad but you're making me feel really bad about this movie right now yeah they they did spend a lot of time on it and i thought well if this stuff is that important why are they letting the marine turn this into uh, a war against one guy when this you know stuff from the brain of the pandora whales i'll call them mm-hmm. uh, who are intelligent very intelligent who are super intelligent and obviously it, it, you just feel like this is just a a horrible crime what they're doing to this creature it just reinforced for me more how stupid it was to send the colonel into war mm-hmm. against one guy when there. you really want this stuff which is supposed to stop the aging process of humans this is almost immortality juice they're getting out of this creature but now let's spend most of our time just trying to kill this one guy who pissed me off and jeopardize resources in doing so. Yeah, absolutely. How many how many people died because of that hunt? Yep. For for Jake Sully, which it takes a lot of money to invest to send people for six years to another planet. Yeah, were lost because he's hunting one dude. Yeah, <laughs> that's a lot of resources lost for that. 
I'll back up just a tad and say that I didn't buy the father-son relationship between Quaritch and Spider at all. Yeah, true. I, I, there was no emotional attachment there for me that I saw because they started out by saying, well, you know, technically we're not even anything because I'm the avatar, not the guy. And then you're this human who's a, like, I felt for Spider as a character. Mm-hmm. Right. I felt for him. But somebody who, his whole memory. So you think he would remember an infant child. Right. But I, but <laughs> I, I didn't buy, it was lost on me. Yeah. I, I don't think forced, it was established. Trying to force it. Yeah. I mean, you fell for Spider, the, the child who really was uh, somebody who had no, he belonged to nobody. Right. Right. And they took him in. And they took him in. They yeah. made him family. But I, yeah, I just didn't get whatsoever. Uh, you know, you can understand a child wanting a relationship with a father, but yeah, I didn't buy any of the reciprocal nature of Quaritch bonding with this child at all. Yeah. That was probably the biggest faux pas for me was it was a massive storyline yeah. or <laughs> plot arc was, okay, they're going to have this redeemable moment or... He's going to see himself through his son's. And I didn't buy it at all. I was like, there's no connection here. You've already told me there's no connection here. I didn't like it. They're just setting up for him to be back again in the third one. No, right. And that's, that's a change. Which was frustrating. Lazy writing me. for me. Which, which yeah. was the second, you know, head roll for, the, for this movie when Colonel Quaritch is apparently going to be back for all of them. Get rid of this guy. Come on. Enough. Some of this movie was incredibly tough to watch for me. Uh, I'm not sure if that makes it a better movie or a worse one. Uh, tough I, like make you cringe or tough like come on, get on with it? No, or? no, no. Tough like, tough like I felt uncomfortable. Okay. Okay. So, for example, when they're hunting yeah. the whales, okay? Yeah. And they're showing the brutality of it all. Like they specifically chose to hunt the one with the calf. There's a specific connection to the queen. Right. Uh- <laughs> but they don't know that. It's a... Anyway, that's not the point. The point is that I was uncomfortable watching it. Now, there's a part of me that's like, well, that makes it a good film because I've clearly connected with this plot point. Yeah. And I, and I, and I, I, I see how it connects with the tribe. And then, then this calf, you feel horrible for this calf because you know, it's not going to leave and then it's going to die too. And then, so on, on one hand, it's like, okay, that's, that's a, that's great writing because I, I bought it and I'm emotionally invested. This is heavy. Yeah. But the, on the other hand, I, I, it was so hard to watch. I would let's put it this way: if I watch this at home again, I will fast forward that part. That's how hard it was emotionally for me to watch it. Well, that's what I was talking about then too. I think you just expressed yeah. it way better than I did. That'd be a first in, in terms of why those scenes dragged for him because it was difficult to watch. Like I feel like they could have gotten the point across of how brutal it was without dragging it on for twenty minutes of a hunt scene because it made me feel uncomfortable. Going okay, like. We all know, I think we know what whaling is and how brutal it was yes. to whales. And I understand how they had to make it brutal to make you feel like who the good guys are and who of the course, bad guys right. are. And that's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah, exactly. But it made me very uncomfortable because of that. But I think you just put it into words way better than I did earlier. My, my parents once once told me, we got in an argument once a long time ago. They were like, oh, you see Million Dollar Baby? And they're like, yeah, we hated it. I was like, you hated it? It's great. It's an incredible movie. And they go, they go yeah, we wanted to jump through the screen and kill her parents. I'm like, well, then you, then it was a great film <laughs> because like, you emotionally connected with what the yes. writers were trying to do and the acting was great and you believe they were real. That's <laughs> a sign of a good film is that you right. believed it. Right. So that's so. why, and so that's why I say half of me, if not more than that, is like, okay, it, the scene did its job. 
but I, I don't care to see it again. Right. It was that bad. Bad meaning on on my emotions. Well, like, well, sure. Yeah, my, yeah. My it, conscience. It's, it's like uh, my temptation for Saving Private Ryan is mm. to go past the first 30 minutes. Yes. Uh, because Another that is example. such a brutal and, and difficult movie uh, portion to watch. Obviously, it's master filmmaking, mm-hmm. but it's just so takes such a toll on your your emotions. What it makes me appreciate though is how they develop animals in in this film really well, and really really well in the connections that they have. For instance, just the what is it, Payakan? Yeah, Payakan, the outcast, mm-hmm. yeah. and how it makes that connection with Sully's kid as well, who's also considered the outcast of the family. Which right. okay, that's you just expect that, right? But it's sure. a different kind of connection because we still don't get resolved really with that. Pycon's still an outcast. But we will. We, we Yeah, we will. Yeah. But becomes an actual character. Like the animal became a character, but it didn't have to speak yep. necessarily. It just made a connection. It had a storyline. Mm-hmm. had a storyline. We start realizing why he was an outcast and you start feeling sorry for him. You feel emotions for a Tolkun that they introduced us as an animal character, but you realize how intelligent they are. So I like those emotional connections that we're able to make at least with animals in this, that it's not like an air bud Type of thing, sure. Yeah. But <laughs> I did but, not expect that reference. Wow. <laughs> but it's we a, an Air Bud reference on the Avatar show. But, Holy crap! But a true emotional connection. Water Bud, you've truly made it, Air Bud. <laughs> you have made it. Oh no, I come back from that. But there is an there is a connection, especially with the way they've built this world. Everything yes. is connected, and for the people to realize that shows a change. That's why Jake Sully changed. That's he right. started feeling an emotional connection, not just to his, not to student Phoebe, but to the planet, the yeah. entire planet, the atmosphere, the world, the, the 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 leaves, the trees, the animals, and it changed everything for him. And that's what the humans from Earth have not been able to accomplish yet. Everyone else that has made that switch, that yeah. 180, because they felt a connection. And so that's what they're building here. And I do appreciate that at least. You know, I believe that all things on that planet, in that universe, in that canon are connected. One thing, too, I want to bring was the music for this one. The original was scored by James Horner. Yes. No longer with us. Yep. Um, the original teases and everything, the themes have stuck with it, but we have a new composer in Simon Franklin. Did anything stand out to you? And the reason I want to ask this is because I have a, I don't know, a point I want to make, but I have my own feelings. But I want to ask you two, who maybe aren't the nerd that I am <laughs> about it, but did maybe. anything stand out to you about the music? Did anything change? Because I th- the way I p- propose this is, Look at a lot of trilogies, right? There's always certainly a piece, like Empire Strikes Back. That's just the one I'm just going to throw out. Right. You Imperial get, March. You get Imperial March yep. in that. You get something that stands out. A new theme that is now part of Star Wars that we hear all the time, even though A New Hope was the first one, the most well-known theme typically tends to be from Empire Strikes Back. Dun, 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 dun. Oh. Did anything stand out to you about Careful, the music Careful, we can't sing this? too much of that. we got to pay for rights. That's right. <laughs> like, especially with the water, they're a whole new area. Did anything stand out to you guys about the music? Not for me. I thought the music served its purpose, but never drew attention to itself. Thank you. That's put way more concisely than I would have said, but that's exactly my thought. It did, there was nothing that stood out like, oh, I'm going to remember that. And see, that's where I have a problem. You wanted more? I wanted more because we got the original Avatar theme, the dun, 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 and the first one, which plays through in this one, we didn't have that what I felt was a true theme for now, the water. This one, I felt like it needed a little bit more in terms of music. So I was a little disappointed with that. It didn't serve its purpose, but I just wanted more. My takeaway was Zoe Saldana's character singing song chord. 
oh, in yeah. the native language. That, That's great. If there's one piece of music that I'll come away with, right? It's her singing a cappella. It was gorgeous. But I wasn't, yeah. and it's in words you can't understand. Like it's you know, but it's it still transcends that uh, totally. You feel so, the emotion. Through. But the reason yes. I didn't think of that is because you said the word score, so I'm thinking of classical. But I would say that one, and then of course the weekend with the end credits song, which seems so misplaced. It was it, interesting. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't yeah, have. Like, I, I, it, I was it like, worked, why is it here? Also, took me back to reality that I didn't want to come back to. And I right, you know, oh, that's a good, a great point. way to put it. Talking to a lot of people that uh, went to go see this movie said that they came out of the movie theater kind of disappointed in real life because they wanted to stay there. So that took me out of that universe and Pandora before I left my seat, which I didn't like. Box office wise, let's get into the the movie business part of this. I remember in our group chat that we had that I was looking at theaters and how many are being dedicated, how many screens being dedicated to this film opening weekend, how packed it was, how an AMC IMAX or Dolby had an 8 a.m. showing that was a third sold yeah. And that's, to me, like at 8 a.m.? I pe- saw an IMAX 3D showing at 9 a.m. Yeah. And it was two-thirds <laughs> full. So it's that goes, goes to show you, I mean, yeah, it's it's going to be uh, a, an event movie that I, I, will it make what they say it needs to make, what, four times more than they spent on it to break even? James Cameron makes really broad-themed movies that can appeal to anybody from anywhere in the world. And I think this one does an even better job of that than the original Avatar. I think the beauty is, uh, is something that, that cannot be uh, limited to any language or culture. Um, so I think there's a distinct possibility that uh, this movie does what we thought it probably couldn't do before we saw it, which was, you know, be successfully profitable. Let's get to scores for Avatar Way of Water. Uh, First of all, I'd like to just say that uh, I was blown away. I had very low expectations. I didn't care that there was another Avatar movie coming out. But I have come out of that film thinking I saw something special. Am I going to be start speaking Navi and work that into my, (laughs) you know, the, the, the cultural, you know, landscape? I don't think so. But. I loved that experience. And what I've been telling everybody ever since is that that is a movie that you need to see in 3D. It is a movie that is going to, I think, really shake your idea of what an immersive world is. For as much as the first one changed movies, this one changed it even more. Especially character close-ups with their, we'll just say in the uh, final third of the movie where you are with somebody in a pocket of air, they're floating in, you know, in, in, a, in a ship that's sinking. The camera is just almost like another character poking its head above water. It, it felt more real than real life. And <laughs> I was just blown away. And I, I really have learned now, do not underestimate James Cameron. James Cameron knew what I needed when I didn't know what I needed. So... I am giving this movie a solid eight. Avatar Way of Water, thank you. I am looking forward to the next one because I have a feeling you're going to do it again, and I will not underestimate 
Cameron any longer. <laughs> I loved how they blended the language from Navi to English for the audience. It's always fun for me to see how these different productions, you talked about the Hunt for Red October, how they did that, yes. how Sean Connery went from Russian to English for the audience. The way they did that, where they zoom into the book and then zoom back out, and it's kind of like a visual cue of like, oh, now we're seeing it through the audience's eyes, so now everybody can speak yeah. English. Uh, in Valkyrie, they do that as well. Tom Cruise is writing the opening scene. He's in a camp in war, and he's writing in his journal in German, and he's uh, the voiceover is in German. And then halfway through the paragraph, it turns into English. The voiceover does. It yeah. blends in. And that was the way they made the rest of the movie English and acceptable. In this one, they did the same thing. They, he, he talks about how his children speak Navi, and now all, he's, just, he's so used to it now that it sounds like English. And next thing you know, everything's in English. Yeah. It was wonderful. So It was, it was almost like any immigrant's story. Yes. You know? Yeah. And then they still throw in some Navi when he's for talking sure. to Earthlings. No, for sure. As well, which is great because it makes you realize, okay, that switch is still happening. Yes. That Sully has to switch. Yes. So I do appreciate that. I'm glad you brought that up. I just really yeah. like the creative angle to do that. Points off for cheesy lines. Three hours is way too long. They yep. could have shaved off 20 to 25 minutes and it would have impacted me the exact same. This is not a film you can take your young and or immature kids to. I don't mean immature as a degrading somebody. I just mean like they're just, right. you know, they're mentally they're, just not, they're not ready, ready to hang in for three and a half hours. With enough life experience right, to do in a that. Theater, yeah. Right. Uh, so I, my son's 10 and he's all about going to the movies. I'm not sure he can make it through it. There were some um, kids in my theater that had a little bit of trouble. Mostly were there, but uh, they did were dancing around and yeah, yeah they, just little squirmies, you know. Yeah. It's, it's just a, it's a tough ask. Uh, the last thing I'll say is, you know, when you own a TV and you're happy with your TV, but you go to Target or Best Buy or a store and you walk by the new TVs. Oh yeah, and you're like, look how beautiful that looks. And then you realize later it's because you're watching a 60 frames per second TV, and those are 120 or more. Right. per second TVs. And all of a sudden you want a new TV? Yeah. That's what this movie was. To me, sitting in the theater. Great example. I was just fine with other movies. Halfway through, I'm like, why is it so different? It's because it's so smooth and so yeah. beautiful. And it's all CGI and it's all like they shot stuff. But I mean, you know, like it's, it's all practical. Yeah, but. right. So it was visually stunning in that way, maybe even for that reason only where I was looking at the screen being like, I shouldn't be feeling this. Like, I shouldn't be watching it like this. This looks too real to me. <laughs> yes. Uh, and it, it it did great. So anyway, all that being said, I gave it a solid eight as well. 8.0. Because it, there are points off for things. It's not a perfect film. It's It did not change movies for me like the first one did. But it did walk up to that line and flirt with it. For that to happen... With only 13 years in between, to me, is spectacular. Mm. So I give it a lot of credence for that. I didn't care for the main villain like we talked about. I didn't feel for some of the storylines that they were throwing at me. I did feel like an agenda was being pushed, an environmentalist agenda, like I felt in the first one. I yes. felt like you're trying to preach environmentalism to me. And, and colonialism. While and while I'm on board, I'm, re I'm resisting. D don't push anything at me. I felt like it wasn't natural enough. I felt like it was the, okay. the agenda of the whole film, maybe even the series, was to look how in danger our planet is yeah. because of all the things we do to it. I'm on board. I get it. But I don't want to be preached at. Sometimes you don't want to be hit right. over the head with it. Right. So I take points off for that. Again, all that being said, 8.0. So, Justin Bradford. So Gover did not like Fern Gully Part 2, Planet Fight. <laughs> <laughs>
weird references of this episode. Yes. Fern Gully and Airbud. Airbud. <laughs> you know, um, Gover brought up a, a lot of great points. I'm complimenting you way too much. It's it's a little it's weird. It's uh... <laughs> so to me, Gover brought up a great point about children. You know how movies will partner with serials. It got me how like post, I think it was post serials or whatever serial that is obviously targeted towards children was pushing out glow in the dark temporary tattoos for Avatar the Way of Water. And I'm like, mm, I don't think kids younger than eight are really going to be able to last in this or understand the overall concept of this. Plus, there's plenty of violence in this. Can you imagine an eight year old seeing the whale hunting scene? Sure. And how it's that could that's that's traumatic. Yeah, that is that, very traumatic. Now, granted, I'm sure they've seen much worse, but in a fantasy world, they would probably argue that that's the point of the scene. Is that to is, that we prevents other right. atrocities from totally happening for sure in but real it, life down the road. But the target demo for this film are not kids. No, yeah, it's, agreed. It's and they, teens and, and older. And there were kids in in my theater when the whales being hunted and and that who were grabbing on and making sounds that they were not happy right at all which is the point yes it is the point to understand how brutal it is it's just curious to me of all things you're partnering with a serial for kids yeah doing glow-in-the-dark tattoos i feel like there's other partnerships so it's it's curious to me the marketing on this house just like blatantly all out there they don't even care they may not even know their demo they just want to push it out because they're going to make their money but at least they did something unlike strange world and disney you're absolutely correct <laughs> uh so visually you could see the huge jumps that it does take because it's one thing to be above water on land where you have a basis for things. But as we've seen with Pixar, things like that, with hair, water, those are really difficult things to animate. Extremely difficult. So to be underwater and then add to that the animation of a person of some sort, the Navi underwater with their hair, how it's long and flowing, their connection to the animals, how animals interact with each other, all these types of things in the high definition that we see was just mesmerizing to me because that is another big step now granted it's not as big of a step i think to the general public because yeah still beautiful and awesome and everything but i don't think a lot of people are going to appreciate the differences that gover pointed out so to me though to see the differences from the first one to this one in the motion capture in the frame rate in underwater animation was just mind-blowing to me to where i hope again what it does for the industry is make people realize you can develop a 3d movie and film it for 3D and make a truly stunning and mesmerizing film because we did get that. The one that stands out to me was A Christmas Carol, the animated one with Jim Carrey, and you saw that depth in this animated film. And then it got back to the whole 3D for things flying at you thing. I hope again we see more films come out from this one being inspired of, I want just depth. I want you to immerse me into the film and not every movie has to do this only certain ones can accomplish this sure and only that's what some I want. can afford it right. some can afford yeah. it yes of course the budget but that's what i want is depth that's what i appreciate about this the, the story development way better with the characters um you guys have said so many great things already to not even add on to that but for me it gets an eight as well because there are so many great things visually so visually i'd give it a 10 Sure. I mean, well, of course, <laughs> of course, eleven. But, but all again, those points, it, can't just it just be can't be because all the same things you guys said. The villain part, so many things. How it gets, it does get a little pushy on some things. But again, I understand that's what they're trying to accomplish as well too. But overall, for me, it was the villain thing, and that right there made me go, "Come on, guys, just yeah. develop a villain a little bit better." And then to have him survive, yeah, as well. And I feel bad for Spider so much because it's going to be his fault that his quote unquote dad survive because he saved him because he has a heart well maybe that's the plot line of the third one you're not going to be able to duplicate this experience at home 
Absolutely. You just no, you just cannot. Uh, no, that's a good point because the, the that's the thing that we need to stress more. I know Jimmy stretched the stressed the three D part earlier, but I don't know how it's going to make its money back after it retires from the theater. Re releases. Duh. No, right. But <laughs> but this is not a movie that is conducive or set up for success for home viewing. Will it make three D televisions be produced again? No, no. <laughs> even that, hundred percent. Even agree. that. It yeah. does. It's three. It's three hours and ten minutes long, mm-hmm. which is way too long to sit around and watch a film if you've never seen before. Right. And then on top of that, you have to have the visual immersion of the huge silver screen. Mm-hmm. If you see it on a fifty-five, sixty, maybe even a seventy-inch screen, it's still not, not going to do it justice. Yep. So it's not set up for. It's basically like they have to make their money in the theater, or they're not going to make it. That's basically what yeah. it Agreed. comes down to. Agreed. I'm not going to watch it. On TV. Right. I w- it's going to be the same as exactly. the original Avatar. I might give it a chance to see what I feel like so I can have an opinion on it. That'd be the only reason i do it. That's a very luxurious opinion to have. Oh, totally. Yeah. But Disney Plus, I'll be curious because Disney Plus has been better about uploading higher quality. Like they've been doing right, Marvel, sure. giving the IMAX screen experience. I'll give you that. But really, truly, I've, I 100% agree. I just want to have that experience of, <laughs> yeah, it sucks on TV. <laughs> I right. know because I watched it. All right, so our big question, this is courtesy of Mr. Jeremy K. Gover. Uh, you're welcome, sir. And I think it pairs Ooh. very well with our discussion. Jeremy. What movie in an otherwise great franchise slash series slash genre or, or saga even should never have been made? Okay. So this is the dud among gems. Yes. So I will just throw out as an example because I know no one's going to pick this. Land Before Time 7. Oh my god! Okay, so you have a land. The <laughs> is land that the one they they released direct to landfill? It is the one direct to landfill, direct to, direct to Walmart dollar bin, actually. So, like, you know, the first couple movies are funny and cute, and all, but then you get to like seven, you're like, really? Okay, so that's again, that's it a took, bad example. It but took I'm trying six to six movies to I'm get there. To, I'm so trying to be protective of what whatever we could possibly say. That's so funny. So that is the question: What movie in an otherwise great franchise or genre or series should never have been made? And we're going to start with Jimmy. This was a really tough one for me because I started thinking about all the great franchises and genres, and I kept finding a whole bunch that were, you know, maybe maybe one movie was fantastic and the next two were bad. Mm-hmm. And I didn't feel that felt like that was an answer to this question. So I started looking at series and franchises that took one of the movies and said, that one sucked so bad, we're going to pretend it never happened. That's a great tact. So that was mm. my way of entering this question. And while there was you know, several things I thought about, I thought about Ghostbusters 2016. And, oh, wow. and, and here's, here's my rationale behind that. Uh, you know, Ghostbusters, the second one, it, not great, but it actually... I think the expectations were super high after the first one. I loved it. The movie could really work on its own. Even if the first one didn't come out, I thought it was a pretty decent movie. The one that came out in 2016 with an unbelievable, talented lineup, wasted. They were totally wasted on this film. The jokes were not funny. The gags were annoying. Special effects weren't up to the par of any movie, I thought, when they did the most recent installment. Uh, they pretended that movie never happened, and that was the smartest move they could have made. So the Ghostbusters created in 2016 is my entry into the uh, movie in a franchise that should never have been made. 
So, uh, <laughs> Justin Bradford, what uh, movie in an otherwise great franchise should not have been made? Okay, so I don't want to say necessarily it's otherwise great, but this is the first thing that came to my mind, and that's what I wanted to go with. Like, yeah, I'm not going to die deeper. Knee-jerk reaction is good. Yeah, but knee-jerk reaction to this, and Cobra's really going to roll his eyes. I don't care. The Santa Claus 3, The Escape Clause. <laughs> because didn't see that coming. No, nope. I'm, I'm sure. Neither did I. This movie's awful. Like it is. No. No. So, I'm so sorry. Finish. So I'm, sorry. I'm talking about some wasted talent too. You have, you have Martin Short as Jack Frost, and they all of a sudden bring in all these other magical creatures. Okay, the, the second Santa Claus. Okay, it's cute. It's cute enough. You bring Elizabeth Mitchell in is very cute. The way that yeah. film has to. You have to get your Mrs. Claus. The first one, I think, is to me, because of when it came out, is nostalgic and iconic as a Santa Claus. Whether Gover likes it or not, it's still, I think it's a great Christmas movie, the first one, because it plays on some interesting character moments of how someone became Santa Claus and all that. And I feel like, too, I know I'm, I'm diving deep in the Santa Claus lore here, but dear God, yeah. the Santa Clauses, the series on Disney+, Plus, while very, very cheesy, greatly ignores... Things that happen in the Santa Claus 3. So going on to Jim's point right there, too. Because I'm watching it going, huh, there's some some things that happen in this TV series, which is actually going to be aired on ABC now. I already got a season two. Not sure if that was needed. But they are talking about things that happen in the first one and the second one. But they don't talk about the whole time when he says, <laughs> I wish I was never Santa Claus and Jack Frost takes over. They don't touch on that for obvious reasons because the Santa Claus 3 was god awful and should never have been made. That, so that's why I'm going to go with it. It was just really, really bad, but poorly written. It was a little bit of a acted. Hallmark movie dumped into the middle of the franchise. Yeah, and it was just Martin Short was way too over the top. Mr. Gover. Mission Impossible 2. Oh. End of story. Really? Like, end of list. Okay, so what about because, Mission Impossible 2 well, I'm, makes it that? He's so about Mission, to get to that, Jim. Mission Impossible 1, to me, is a tremendous action film. One of the best action films. And I mean best as in, like, well done, well scripted, well acted. The plot was great. There's a couple twists you didn't see coming. Okay. Mission Impossible 2 comes out, and John Woo, the director, ruins it because he goes so over the top ridiculous. It's so overdone. It's so, like, there's just action sequences. You can tell who the stunt doubles are versus yeah. who the act. I mean, it's just so bad. So, Mission Impossible 2 is my answer. I have to give my honorable mention, though, because I did say end of list earlier, and I feel like that was kind of, uh, just to make a point. Sure. Indiana Jones 4, Crystal Skull. Crystal Skull. Is, that is up that doesn't exist. Thank you. See? Yeah. Well, thank you for listening to this edition of the Untitled Film Project podcast, slightly shorter than the actual movie Avatar Way of Water. <laughs> uh, but there was so much to talk about. We had a great time. Uh, we hope that you did, too. This is definitely a movie we all agreed you need to go see in the theater in the way it was filmed in 3D. If you have comments and suggestions, we'd love to hear about them on social media. We love interacting with you. Thanks for the reviews and the watches on YouTube. Uh, we appreciate uh, all your input and where you disagree and agree, and uh, we certainly invite more of that. Thank you for listening to the Untitled Film Project podcast. To support the show, please rate, review, follow, and subscribe. Original music by Jeremy Schwartz. Special thanks to the Music City Film Critics Association. Editing and post-production by Jeremy K. Gover. Voiceover by Chad Bennett. The Untitled Film Project podcast is presented in cooperation with iHeartRadio.